Thank you. All right, today, today for the next few minutes, um, we're going to finish up where we were on last week. Now, let me just say that um, I kind of have mixed feelings about this past week, uh, last Sunday. Um, it's kind of, you know, kind of just kind of checking in with people and seeing and uh, there are two, two groups of people that are here, um, really three. First group are those that knew me from uh, my former pastorate at Salem as the vice pastor there for 10 years serving, um, serving my father. Lord called us to start a church and we birthed a church January 8th, 2006. So there were people that knew me before the church. There are people that have been with us for a minute and you've heard my story. You've heard our story. You've heard, some of you have heard the story from the front and some have heard it from behind closed doors. But you jumped on the bus um, after, after we have since started. Matter of fact, I'm thinking about anybody, any 13 year folk here on this morning, any vets, anybody been here more than 10 years? Liz, yep, the shepherds, the Flynn's, yeah, the sellers, the Christians, the Johnsons, um, Miss Annie, so, so many folk, y'all have jumped on. And so, and so you, you guys have kind of listened to my story a, along the way. And, and then, then there's some folk that you could care less. You were Googling churches in Norcross. Hey, they keep it simple over there. Let's just go to the church. You could care less. As long as your life is being impacted, as long as your life uh, is being changed. I want you to know that I'm a different man, as I should be, than I was 13 and a half years ago. But the difference did not come via happenstance. Uh, the difference came by being deliberate Deliverance or the difference came by realizing what was there that had to be dealt with. Now, um, I've not had anyone write me any chastening emails about what I shouldn't have said, um, shouldn't have done. If it was going to be one of those Sundays, I probably would have turned off the stream um, and I would have had a talk with us if I didn't want what was said to be said. If you can't talk about your story, what you going to talk about? Uh, I, I want to be clear before we move any further uh, today. I, I try to look at the mistakes that were there in the book and look at my life first. If you don't let the word start with you, then you've become a Pharisee. You've become someone who's looking for the fault in somebody else. That's not, that's not what God wants. I, I had to look at last Sunday, this Father's Day message that I felt God gave me to give. I had to look at it through the lens of my own life. One of the things that I know that, that I'm, I'm called to do, first, God has given me a heart of a pastor. He's, he's given me a pastor's heart. The second thing is that I know my wife and I, um, there's something special on us. There's an anointing on us 
for relationships. We're pursuing that even in, in the whole team must piece that we talked about earlier. But then there's a third component, and that's men. My, my, part of my purpose in life is to help heal men. I, I, it was nothing I grew up saying I want to do. Yeah, when I was eight years old, I never said, the teacher came around and said, what do you want to do? I want to grow up and I want to, I want to help heal men. That was, never, that was never the intention. But when I look at society, when I look at the world, and begin to see the ails that are there, it's because of the absence of whole men or men in process. Men are some of the hardest demographics to reach. And so while I had a captive audience on Father's Day, and trusting that God will allow the seed that was sown on, on, on last week to touch the right man, to produce the right fruit, um, that was my intention. And I think I better go on record with, with this one. I, I have nothing against anybody. Now, I ain't got nothing against, uh, against nobody sitting here, nobody streaming, nobody in my family, my father. I, 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 I love everybody. Matter of fact, I'm grateful for everything that everybody did that hurt because God used that to back me into my purpose. We good. I'm good. I, I, I feel like it's an act of immaturity to use the pulpit to address anything that can be handled in private. And I do not want found with me to be labeled as a gossiper or a tattleteller or throwing shade or giving you tea to sip. That, that, that's, 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 that's just, that's not me. Can we talk today? Can we talk knowing that the Blood has been applied to everything, and I'm talking from a place of healing. Can we be mature to know that whatever Holy Spirit may say, it's only because he wants, he wants you or someone to hear? Real quick, in, in a review, on last Sunday, uh, the title of the sermon is Mistakes, um, well, what, yeah, Mistakes Every Good Dad Can Avoid. Um, there was a book that was given out at the end of the uh, worship service, and for all men who were not here on this past week, um, the men who were here on last week, it was a Father's Day gift uh, from, from me to you. Thank you, sir. It's called uh, Bad Dads of the Bible, Eight Mistakes Every Good Dad Can Avoid. So for men who were not here on this past week, they're $5 this week because you weren't here <laughs> on, on last week. Yeah, and for all men who will not be here on next Sunday, no book will be given, but it's going to be $10. <laughs> If you were not here, we have, we have, a, we have a book. We have a book for you. Um, mistake number one that was made that the author Roland Warren shared is that a good dad can avoid the mistake of being paralyzed by his past. A good dad can avoid the mistake of being paralyzed by his past. And this is the whole story of David, and he finds himself in, 
issue with Bathsheba, but prior to that, its daughter, Am, uh, Tamar, gets raped and her older brother uh, uh, kills another brother, half-brother, and David could not rule and speak because his own sin had caused him to be paralyzed. I don't care who you are and where you are. Ladies, I hope that you're not turning me off because some of the principles that are here, though they are catered and shaped towards men, that, that there's, there's a message in it for you, for you as well. And I'm sure there's some sisters in here who have uh, a past that you prefer not to, that you want expunged from your record. But, but can I tell you that, that, that God uses pain, he uses it on purpose. So every good dad can learn from David's mistake that your past does not define your future. Again, we only got to two mistakes. The second mistake comes from the life of Laban. Here's the second mistake, is making um, a good dad can avoid the mistake of making his children compete for his affection. Can make his children um, compete for his affection. We have to learn to love our children in their key of music. Um, Jordan was home. She came home last week to um, spend Father's Day with old man. And, uh, and so um, when, I, when I hugged Jordan, you know, I, I, used to tickle, I used to tickle her, you know, quiet as well. But when Jordan started getting girl parts, you know, all that tickling, it had to stop, you know. And then Jordan's a woman, and so I'm cautious and conscientious about how it is that I I hug my, 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 my baby girl, and so <clears throat> um, Jordan is not real affectionate. She's not real touchy-feely. Um, might be good since she's in college. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess I'm just thinking out loud. So I reached over, and I, and I hugged her. I kind of side-armed her. I, that's how I hug ladies typically here, here at the church. Oh, that's my default hug position. You know, the fathers ought to be careful how they touch there. So I kind of hugged Jordan and I kind of, you know, angled her a little bit because I was really kind of angled her a little bit and she kind of went down like this. Hi, it's good to see you too. <laughs> I could hear her in her head saying, please let me go, hurry up, let me go, let me go, let me go. Quad came to wish me happy Father's Day and he goes, hey, Bubba. And he throws himself on me and lays his head on my shoulder and he stays there a while. Dad, I love you. You have to interact with your children in a key of music that they can hear. But never should you be after an action because you've pitted them against each other. Now, I don't think that, that anybody in here would do that on purpose. But I shared a little bit um, about, about my past, about how it is that, that we grew up, and how it is that it made me, how it is that it made me feel. I, I, can't, I can't say that, just kind of keep moving. I was um, more of an academician, and um, my extracurricular activity was banned, and 
my brother was the athlete. He's five years younger than I, and my brother was the athlete, and, uh, and he also was an athlete. And um, he played football, um, was really good, um, was heading to college on a couple of scholarships. He had a few scholarship offers um, and ended up not going. Uh, God was redirecting his path and into ministry. And um, my father likes sports. And so uh, I remember dad going to Joe's football games, but not coming to my band recitals. And he would say more about Joe and his football prowess uh, than about how dexterous my fingers were. <laughs> I came to understand, though, that, that dad really highly respects grades. So I focused on grades. He wasn't making us compete for his affection. Do you see that? There wasn't some mastermind with a playbook. But as, an, as a grown man, looking back, I see that I was having to compete for his affection. Laban is a story about Rachel and Leah. You go back and read it when you, when you, have, a, you have a moment. Today I want to pick up at uh, mistake number three, and uh, we'll see how far we get, get to this one. Uh, so mistake number three, mistakes every good dad can avoid. Mistake three. You shouldn't turn a blind eye to sibling rivalry. Good dads do not turn, do not turn blind eyes to sibling rivalry. I think all, all siblings, it's common for siblings to fight. Me and my brother fought all the time. And then Jerome, who was a first cousin, he was like a brother. Um, I mean, it was all, we were always tussling. We were always doing something and always getting on my mother's nerves. But there was, there's a difference in wrestling and fighting. I mean, if we look, if we look at it, we say we fought a lot. But, you know, I'm just saying wasn't a, it wasn't a fight with ill will. We were, it was just, you know. When there is an issue in your house between your children, you need to deal with it, Dad. I got two amens, and one was from a long-time member, a long-distance long member. When there is an issue in your house, dad, you are responsible for addressing it. You should not relegate an issue in your house to your wife. If there is an issue in your house, you, you need to deal with it. I remember one time we were, um, parents had a, birth home was a, a ranch style house and so there was a basement and I've told the story before and me and Joe were messing around with each other or whatever, I don't know. Um, and I did something that really, really infuriated him. And so we had a, there was a pool table down there and so Joe takes the pool stick off the wall 
and it becomes a saber. And he begins to swing it at me. And I'm ducking, I'm scared, I'm nervous. I, I think I saw his eyeballs turn red. The devil was in him. <clears throat> and I'm running around the pool table and he's continuing to swing at me. And he swung one time and missed me, hit the wall, and it broke the stick in half and it becomes a spear. You think that joke is stopped? He starts chasing me with the spear. There was one rule in our house. When mom says stop, stop. Um, you remember how your mom said stop all that in there? That ain't the real one. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all be quiet in there. That's just because I missed the line that Victor said. You know what I'm talking about? Um, and, and so, so, but then there is that, that intensity. You, you hear it. Every child knows when mama ain't playing no more. And mama had sounded off about five or six of those. And me and Joe didn't stop. Suddenly got quiet upstairs. And she comes to the stair and she says, uh, little Jasper, Joseph, your dad is on the phone. Boy, all the blood left out of my body. I, I just, I, I got limp. I mean, I, I had a diabetic attack even though I don't have diabetes. I mean, it, it was horrible because dad didn't play. He gets, on the, he gets us on the phone, and I can't tell y'all exactly what he said, but he said something similar to this. <clears throat> Listen, I got enough money for both of y'all to go to the hospital. If you want to fight somebody, call me. But when your mama says stop, he was out of town. He was preaching somewhere on revival. So he was probably, he woke, he had, she had to get him up out of his, out of his nap, you know, and so it was a little extra on it. You know, he said, when your mama say stop, then by golly, stop. <laughs> oh, dad had a way with words. <laughs> Children need, they need a father to bring balance. While I'm here, may I just say that the way that you bring balance, the way that you deal with the sibling rivalry in your house is that you use it as a moment to impart a value or a truth. Remember one time I had to stop the kids from, you know, they were at each other and and when, I, when, when, I, when, they finally, when I finally got them calmed down and, you know, all right, now you apologize. What happened? Okay, what should you have done? I shouldn't have done this. Okay, now you, how, well, how do we apologize? Sorry. No, that ain't how you apologize. Nope. You do not apologize. No blanket. Sorry. Apologize to your sister. Jordan, I'm sorry for blank, blank, blank. I shouldn't have done it. She looked at him. She goes, I said, did you not hear him? Yes, I heard him. 
I said, and? I accept your apology, quiet. I said, I didn't understand what you said. I accept your apology, quad. Now, what did he do to you? You know, so we went both went back both ways. He was still a little funky about her. Do you did you see that? That me stopping instead of just hitting them. See, some of y'all just hit your child. I tell you, hush. Don't do that anymore. I'm going back on Facebook. You, 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 you impart something. Now listen, this isn't how this isn't how this gonna work, y'all. Listen, when somebody does something to you, you need to own the fact that you that you hurt, that you that tell them how it made you feel. What it was doing was keeping keeping our son, quiet Jordan depending who I was talking to, from stuffing feelings. Because boys learn how to be men as boys. And every man in here likely has heard that lie. Real men don't cry. Oh, I, I get it. Okay, all right. Real men don't cry, but it hurts. So it's, 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 it's helping him get in touch with his feelings. There are some ice cold women also. That life deal you the hand that has been dealt you and you, you've had to separate your, your emotions. No, no, it, as a father, no, that's not how we're going to do this. Now, he said he was sorry. Do you accept it or not? Because if she couldn't accept it, it's something else there. Did you hear what your brother said? What if she had said, I hear him, and what you going to say? Sorry. Well, well, no, that's not how we do it. What you going to say? Sorry. What you going to say? And then tears start coming. That tells me, okay, this ain't about what he did. That I saw is something else. And sometimes God will use those parental uh, opportunities to help you see another issue to cut off. Or talk to ladies in here who maybe you find yourself as a single mom. Um, don't let that man, don't make that man pay because he didn't do you right. Don't make that man divert your baby's future because you're still mad at him. So here's, here's Jacob and there's this fight that's going on. I started thinking about these things. I, I, I wondered why, why, why Jacob turned a blind eye to his siblings. And the Holy Spirit shared with me just this thought. Maybe it was because he never saw his own dad deal with sibling issues. Uh, so Isaac is Jacob's father, and Isaac had twins, Jacob and Esau. They were fighting from the birth. 
The name Jacob means trickster. It means hill grabber. As, as Jacob is being born as the second Esau having now the birthright, Jacob is holding on to Esau's hill. They were fighting as babies. And there was never any issue. There was, there was never any resolve that was there. Isaac never spoke into their lives. He never told them, this is how you deal with issues, son. And that's, maybe you, you let the wife do it because you don't know how. Because maybe you were overcorrected. That's a problem, too. There can be the absence of correction, but then there can be the overcorrection. You didn't make up your bed, but you end up with a black eye. And so now your child does something, but you've resolved something in your heart. I'll never do that to my child. You do it, baby. But you're continuing to abdicate your role as head of the house and that boy, that girl, they need, to hear, have, they need to hear and have a father's voice speak into their lives. Could it be that God is after healing another part of you? And if I'm talking to a man now who has a problem chastening, correcting, and bringing order to your children, Why? What are you running from? I hear you, ma'am. I hear you. But me too. I know. I hear you. God wants to heal you too. It's my job to heal my wife, not her job to heal me. I'm in the Bible. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Loved it so much until he died. But he was also pierced while he was on that cross. And so it's healing that we just, we just ate, ate of the body and drank of the blood. There was healing that came when, when he died. And so my job as a husband is to heal her. And so, ma'am, what's going on with you? How, 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 how are you overcorrected or undercorrected or didn't have any correction? Uh, long quote, I'm going to read it, and then we'll move on to the next one. Uh, but some children don't, don't just take it. As we learn, we jump in the middle of something. As we learn from the sad tale of what happened between uh, this gentleman a few years ago, let me not even, let me not even read that. Uh, l- let me tell you, here's, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Uh, that long quote is there. Uh, you go back and read it. Um, it, it as as you, you see the mistake, it's mistake number three. You find it if you're interested. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12 says that hatred stirs up strife, strife, but love covers all sin. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sin. Have you ever been in the middle of something and realized that your feelings are stronger than they should be? Follow that. Follow that. Trace that thing back to the root, and you'll, you'll, find, that, you'll find something interesting. You'll, you'll find where the real problem is, because what should just be, you know, I, I don't like it. Don't do it again. 
It's now messed up your whole day. Your day is off track. I can't think about this anymore. But you, you're, 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 the bank statements aren't reconciled. So you feel like this, but it was really just a little issue. It's God trying to tell you that you've got to deal with what's causing, what, what's, what's causing your hate, your anger. So what does a dad do? What does a dad do when kids are not on the same page? We're going to talk it out. You don't have to agree, but y'all are going to love each other. Because the Bible says love covers all sins. So you did that to me. I don't like it. We're going to have to pray for you a little bit more, but now go hug him. Say something nice to him. Buy him a Slurpee. Yeah, something. You, you, you know, love, love has to cover, has to cover it up. And, 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 and some of us dads, because we never experienced love, we can't teach anybody to love. And so you let the family split. Question. How, anybody think of a matriarch in the Bible? Matriarch, head of the house, what she said went, not talking about Deborah, but what, what she said went. Anybody, anybody think of a matriarch? But how many can think of a patriarch? We have given over the family structure. But PS4. For Fortnite, for bowling, for doing a Facebook Live watch party. And so now we open the door for the enemy to come in, trying to take our children. Mistake number four, we can learn from good dads can avoid the mistake of making it hard for your children to be able to honor you. Don't make it hard for your children to be able to honor you. Now, the author, he goes one direction, but there are two ways that you can look at this. The first way in which it means honor is like in a gift. Um, I almost messed it up. I almost messed it up. So... Um, Pastor Alicia, she says, um, did you really say you don't want anything for Father's Day? I said, no, I ain't said that. What, what, what? Y'all ain't been shopping yet? What you, what you talking about? She said, Quad said that you said you didn't want anything for, I said, he's lying. I, I said, I said, I said nothing. You know me. You know I wouldn't say nothing. She said, Jasper, that's why I ask you, because it sounds like you. Because my thing is that just take care of mom. Y'all do something special for mom. So Quad's like, Dad said he don't want nothing, so I'm about, I'm, I'm, it's summertime, peace. I'm going over here, and matter of fact, my Fortnite crew waiting for me. He wanted to honor me, but I shut it down. 
Jordan went on, she went on the church, on the church trip with us, and so she drove from Nashville. She was working, had to be back that, month, that, that morning, and so she left, went back, did a week of work, and so then the trip, she said, I'm coming, I'll see you guys next week. So what are you coming home for? She said, it's Father's Day, I'm coming to celebrate with you. She says, I'm, I'm going to take you to dinner. And it's four, four, four and a half hours away, and I said, oh, no, but don't, you know, don't, don't do that. No, no, please, don't come. Don't come. Everything is fine. She says, but, but Dad, I want to. I said, listen, Precious, just the fact that you've told me what you want to do, I'm good. Thank you. And the Holy Spirit elbowed me. Holy Spirit, that day was 5'2 with brown eyes. <laughs> I was trying to shut down their, their honor. That when, when, when a child wants to honor you, let them. That's one slant of honor. But this is what the author says. This is very, this is very interesting. Uh, there are, uh, where's my book? I think page 96. There, there uh, Saul made it really hard for his children to honor him. And it was because of the way he lived his life. He, he did some real stupid stuff. Uh, it's on uh, in the book and it's on page on page 86. Four things that the author says that will keep your children from being able to honor you. First thing that he pulled from the life of Saul is that he made unwise decisions and treated others harshly. Second thing, he allowed fear of man to influence him. Third, he allowed jealousy to consume him. Fourth, he lied to his children and used them in dishonorable ways. Let me, let me unpack this, and I think I'm going to open the floor. I, I, I want to hear what's going through your head. Uh, first of all, it says that he made, he made unwise decisions, and he treated, he treated others harshly. You can't use folk. You can't go and gamble to rent money off, wait, buying lotto tickets, unwise decisions. And now the light's off, y'all sitting outside, because you had to have some rims. Don't look at me like you've never made an unwise decision. That will make a child choose not to honor you. Instead of saying, that's my dad. Right. Donuts with dad, huh? Come on in, sit down. When they see you use other people or make unwise decisions. Here's the next one. Um, the, the next one is uh, they allowed, anytime you allow fear of man to influence you. R write that one down. This is for ladies too, but particularly for dads. Anytime you let the influence of man, the fear of man influence you. Anytime you let the 
Fear of man influence you. So Saul had been given the instruction by God to go in and to kill all the Amalekites. Saul is, is now king over Israel, the first king. He goes in and he's doing damage. The Bible says that the Lord told him to kill everything. The, kill, kill everything, just destroy the entire city. But there were some people that were fighting that were saying, man, we don't need to kill everything. Man, what, what? This, this some good, um, uh, this some good bounty. We have to kill everything. So here comes the prophet. And he says, did you do? Yeah, Saul, did you do what the Lord told you to do? Saul says, yes. You killed all the animals and all the people. You took the whole? Yes. Then, <laughs> Bible says, there was the sound of the bleating of sheep. What, what's that I hear? I don't hear nothing. You hear something? <laughs> that like a sheep to me. Oh, that's not a sheep. The Bible says that ultimately the people that were on the mission with him completing the assignment that had been given to him influenced him to disobey God. Let me break it down. Saul was more afraid of the people that were under him. Remember, because he was the king. Than what his heavenly father would have thought who was over him. Did you hear what I said? And anytime a dad won't level up. God told me to do this. I'm standing right here. There is a respect that is garnered from your children when you don't bow to what other folk want or say or do. But if Jordan knew not to ask us, well, mom, mom, dad, such and such, such and such, that, that, that ain't my child. I don't care what they're doing. Christian school, not. No, you ain't doing it. Mm -mm. Go change your clothes. You can't. Where you going with that? But, 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 nothing. That's what I'm telling you to cover up your butt. Get your behind on back in there. I know. I I, I know. I can be a little hard sometimes, but that's where if the if the if the man is supposed to be the head of the house. The woman is the neck. Tell the head which way to turn. <laughs> you know what? Our children end up missing out on the fullness of what it's supposed to look like because the enemy has come in and has broken the home and mom isn't there, dad isn't there. And there, there, comes the, there comes the absence and the break in society. I'm thinking about someone who lost their wife. And, but what about me? Is that the case? God is a good God. And God is full of grace and mercy. And no, if you do not have a spouse in your home because of death or something that has happened, absolutely not. The Bible says... Uh, 
In 1 Samuel 15, verse 10, now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. This is after he's disobedient, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. Oh, God, I do not ever want to be in this position. Listen to what God says. God changes his mind about the one whom he had authorized to be king over his people. Listen. God says, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he turned back from following me. God said, I made a mistake by making you head over Israel. You mean, that's where the whole text came from, obedience is better than sacrifice? You mean to tell me you're going to let the people that I gave you have more influence over you? Saul, I hate I ever even let them anoint you to be king because you have turned back from following me and have not performed my commandments. I'm talking to a dad in here. Needs to recommit in your heart. Following God. The Bible is really clear in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. God, please don't ever let me do something that makes it hard for Jordan or Quad to honor me. I'll tell y'all a little secret. It's a recurring nightmare in some in some 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 regards. One of the things I I get real concerned about pastoring. He's letting you down. I, I'm a man. I'm imperfect. I make mistakes. I've made mistakes. I will continue to make mistakes. But I don't. I don't. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to bring embarrassment or shame on the kingdom. He preaching marriage, but he got a side piece. I don't want to make it hard for you to see the God in me. That same kind of reverence and fear every head of the house, every man ought to have when it comes to your house. I don't want to have to explain to him why he has to talk to me behind that thick glass. I don't want to explain to her why I left. Good dads. Don't make it hard for their children to honor them. Mistake number five, we're going to run through these real quick. Um, mistake number five, Abraham, this is about Abraham, he doesn't abandon his children. Dad, you got to stay in that thing. Figure it out. 
Come on. Ain't no cutting ship. Figure, God, grace. Maybe you had a divorce, whatever. I'm not talking about you, but I'm talking about now. You know you got a good woman. If you got a good woman and you're not married, what you waiting for? Come on. Step it up. Show it show what you're working with. That has nothing to do with mistake number five. That's mistake 4.5. Man, you got to stay there, God. Can't leave your children. I don't care what kind of situation you're in. They need to know dad loves them. You need to get as much as you can. Go buy a Skype card, FaceTime them, whatever it takes. Fly them in. You got to fly over there. You cannot abandon your children. Let me tell you this. When your child has the space that's absent because of a father, your child will spend his life looking for somebody to sit in that space. I heard somebody say, uh, well, it was the, the theologian prophet T.I. that said. Every, every dad has to, has to, wants to keep his son out of jail and his daughter off a pole. You know why some women um, end up in strip club? It's not to pay for college, all right? Some women end up on strip, on strip poles, on poles in strip clubs because they never heard their dad say, you're beautiful. I see you. You got to get naked. Twerk. No, you're, you're beautiful. And God has designed it to where a dad's voice fills that space and it makes it stay. It's like concrete. Because dad said I'm beautiful. Every dad, back to T.I., keep his son out of jail. Boys want to be chastened, children in general, but boys particularly. Correct me and then show me what I did wrong and how to do it. And the reason why boys particularly end up in jail as men is because nobody ever showed them what to do and how to do it. Nobody ever told them, you, you got what it takes. August 1st through the 4th, Band of Brothers, Georgia. We talked a little bit about that before we leave. But every, every boy, every son needs to hear dad say, you can do it. You got this. You, you got what it takes. You have to take no shortcuts. Mistake number six. Good man, don't fail and not discipline. Don't let stuff ride. Number seven, he fails to tame his children's talents. We see what's on the inside. Get them some coaching. Give them parameters. Number eight, Lot messed up by pitching his tent near temptation. Who wants to go live 
in the hood, crime rate high, drugs. Who says, oh yes, I'm gonna bring me and my, my first grader, my fourth grader, my eighth grader, we're gonna, we're gonna live right here. No. Good dads do not put their children in harm's way. Now, if it, it don't mean you're a bad dad because you're living there. Listen, listen now. When life deals you certain things, you take the hand you got and you, you, you play it. You, you, you make that thing work. Because remember, in spades, you, all, you never know what your partner has. So if me and God are in partnership, I'm going to take this hand because he the reason why I'm here. And I'm just going to play. I'm going to make this. I'm going to make this three of spades walk. That's if you if you live in less than desirable conditions, there's nothing wrong with your with your manhood. But no dad says we're going to go. We're going to just choose and live over. That's what Lot did. Abraham let Lot choose. You want to go this way? I'll go that way. If you go that way, I'll go this way. And Lot moves his whole family next to Sodom and Gomorrah. Good dads put internet blockers on. Oh, y'all going to get quiet on me. Good dads don't have Hell's Box Office streaming. Good dads check internet history. Good dads uh, create Finsta accounts and get on Instagram and see what your child's, what they saying. Good dads do not put their children in the path of temptation. Listen, listen, I want to just take a few minutes. I want to take a few minutes. Um, what's on your heart? What, what, what confuses you? What hurts you? What, 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 what has kept you up? What, is, what has God been saying here recently? Is, is there testimony? Um, you, you're seeing God do this because of this. There are a whole lot of manuals on being, being a father, being a husband. But last one you read. Please, if, if you're here, let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Any, anybody? Anybody? Question. Come on, Johnny. Come to this microphone. Is there another one? Ladies? Anything you care to say? Mm hmm No, no, ladies? Yes, ma'am. Come on, come here. Mm-hmm. Amadi, did I see your hand go up and come down? Come on. You'll be the last one. Yes, sir. Yeah, um, yes, sir, Pastor. I just want to say it's good to see you. Praise the Lord. Um, you know, about 10 years ago, remember, we had a conversation, and you walked me through some stuff. I want to tell you thank you for that. But, you know, I was, it was just a testimony about what you – and I, I don't want to get the fluffy stuff. I'm going to give the real stuff. Uh, my daughter, Alexis, we were talking about – it's about three years ago – She's 22 now, doing great in college. But we were on the phone just talking, and she said, Dad, she said, you know, I've always felt like that y'all favorite Dominique over me, our son. And Dominique would be 26 in August. And I said, well, whatever made you think that? I said, because I've never felt that way. I don't think I, have I done anything to make you feel that way? She said, nah, Dad, it's just how I feel. I said, well, you don't know why. She said, no, I just feel that way. So I let her know. I said, well, 
there's nothing I've ever done. I love you as my daughter. I said, you and Dominique are different. And so I give him what he needs when he needs it. I felt like I've always given you what you needed when you needed it. I said, but what do you need from me? Always told her she was beautiful. I mean, everything I could do that I felt I could do, but you just don't never know what your kids are thinking until you start having some of them conversations. And I never would have known that if we didn't have that talk that day. And ever since then, she was like, Dad, I don't know why I was feeling that way. I was just feeling that way. But thank you for letting me know that you don't see me no different. I'm like, and I didn't tell her this. It, I, of course, I wouldn't tell Dominique this. Hoping this ain't on tape. But, no. <laughs> but, but, but I was just telling I said, look, I said, you're in college. Dominique said he don't want to go to college. You're on your way to grad school. I'm like, you're doing great in life. So why would you think that we got him on a pedestal? And, and I said, well, y'all on the same pedestal. And so that was just a conversation we had. But I didn't know as a dad that my daughter was feeling that way. Okay. All right. Anybody identify with him? Ever, ever, ever had that thing? Okay, thank you. Thank you very much, Johnny. And yeah, it is on tape. Um, <laughs> but there are other dads that need to hear this, and you can take this as a teaching tool for Dominique and for, right, Alexis. You can do your, your very best, and something still happen to hit your house. Your, your, your babies can, you can, you can pray over them, anoint them, grease them up, fry bake them on their head, you know, drag them, to, drag them to Sunday school and Bible study and all that kind of stuff. She still can get pregnant. Y'all don't want to talk to me? Because you're human. And we never know how the enemy starts getting in their mind and heart and, and sowing seeds of discord. There is this thing in deliverance called ungodly beliefs. An ungodly belief is something that is not true. And your daughter likely had an ungodly belief. Uh, everything all right over here is a whole lot of talking going on. Okay, thank you. Every, everybody, has, everybody has the potential to have ungodly beliefs. You break them with the, you break, you, you share the truth and then you break it. So now Johnny, if I were having the conversation with her, I'd say something like this. Well, Alexis, that's never been the case. Let me tell y'all one thing. God has used my son to heal me more than my daughter. When I look at my son and some of the stuff that, where he is in life, a long story, God used that, and so when the healing comes, there is an attachment and affection and a gratitude that I see on his face because God used him to heal me of this. But I have to be careful that that does not communicate to my daughter. God has used her to heal some places in me, but I'm talking about my son, I see he's the four. I, I, see, I, I, see, I see a whole lot in him of me. Now, if we, if we have a situation like that, it is what it is. But the ungodly belief that gets dealt with is, Dominique, um, Alexis, baby, I, there's nothing I wouldn't do for you. Where'd that come from, Alexis? Why do you think that? 
might be surprised what she says. Maybe something that you missed. Anybody ever tried to do your absolute best and it still wasn't good enough? And your kids blame you? You don't see me out here trying and busting my behind and I... Look, either you can play football or I can go to work and pay for football. Which one is it? You see what, you see what I'm saying? Sometimes those are, there are those kinds of situations that are, just, that are just real. And so if that's the case, you tell her, and let's just say there's nothing that comes up. Say, Dominique, I wonder if the enemy does not have in you believing something that you, that's not real. Dominique is called ungodly belief. And whenever you come into, an un, in, into agreement with an ungodly belief, power is there. And so you have to break the agreement. Now, if I were praying, and it was, it was my daughter, it was Jordan or whatever, and we had gotten, we'd had that discussion, I would say to her, all right, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that Jordan and I have had this time to talk, and I thank you, Lord, that, that you love her as much as you love Quad and me and her, and her mother. God, as her, as her father, I break everything that's attached to the ungodly belief that I love her or I love Quad more than I love her. Father, I lift up every, every opportunity. I pray that you would do what you want to do with every ballet recital I went to, every time I stayed late at school, uh, the sacrifice we make to pay for that kind of stuff. For, Father, I pray, I pray that you will let that be her reality. In Jesus' name. Now, Dominique's job becomes to every time she sees the lie. That's not dad because dad did such and such. You reinforce the truth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Two more, and, and we're going to pray, and we're done. I have a question. Mm -hmm. How do you love and honor a per parent who is far, far from perfect? Uh, I'd like to see you after church is over. There is a, um, it's called honoring dishonorable parents. I, have, I think I have a, um, something I can, I can share with you about that. But let me give you an answer. Everything starts with your heart. See, when kids honor you, they are putting time in their life bank. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Exodus 12, 20, verse 12. Honor your mother and father that your days. Maybe, maybe. So whenever children honor you, they may not realize it, but they're adding time to their life. As a, you asking for a friend? <laughs> so if I would tell your friend, I would tell your friend, first of all, not to ignore what's wrong with their parent. Second of all, your, their parent does not deserve a pass from doing it God's way. You see, when you try to ignore what's wrong, it creates more problems. which is why women and men who have been molested can still interact 
with the molestor because they've created this blockage in their mind and they don't want to look at that pain. And that is not healthy for a number of reasons. Now, here's the problem. When you start to come into the agreement or understand, okay, look, that was this, 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 and this, you can get angry. And so you go to God. You take that, Lord, I, I don't like it. Forgive me. I release them. How do you know that you've forgiven somebody? I heard a lot of mumbling. Somebody lift your mumble. Sorry, huh? They're in your presence. There's, there's no negative effect. Yes, that's part of it, but it's not the end. It's not the finish line. That's good. That's the step before. Say it again, Willie. You know you have released them when you can bless them. And until you can bless them, it's something else there. The fact that you want, tell your friend this, the fact that she wants to honor her parents, God knows that. But what if God gave you somebody else that was like a parent? What if God gave you an auntie, a big mama, a pastor, a big sister? Then you honor them. Not honoring and not forgiving are two different things. The way you know you, you, you have forgiven is ultimately by, by blessing. I just bless you too and you feel, you feel in the words. Hope I see you after church. That's pretty brave, ma'am. That is pretty brave. Yes, sir. Um, mine's is more of a, a testimony um, about what you've been talking about. Um, I went home and actually started reading a book. You know, just reading it, you was giving us bits and pieces. It brought about some healing, and it brought about some understanding as my role as a father to a five-year-old girl. Um, the healing came like this. I just need like three minutes, please. Ready, set, go. All right. And so uh, most of you guys know I'm a widow. I was reading a book, and Holy Spirit took me back to an incident in my second year of marriage. Uh, if you had met my late wife, she's pretty on the outside and inside. I remember her parents came over and, you know, saw the new place we moved into and everything. I remember her father kissed her on the head and told her she was beautiful and told her that he loved her. Went through that, and after they left, my wife just bust out crying, just like 30 minutes, just cried, cried, cried. I'm like, Kimberly, what's wrong? What's wrong? Did I do something? And she told me, she said, that's the first time my father ever told me that I was beautiful and ever told me that he loved me. Then... I was without empathy, so I couldn't understand why I was a grown woman crying over something her dad didn't, you know, say to her. You know, I do it all the time, so I didn't get it then. I didn't get it till I read the book. Because my wife was beautiful-hearted, but she couldn't give, she loved me. I could see it in her eyes, but she couldn't give it in actions. And we sat down and talked about it. We could never figure out what was going on. I love my wife, she loved me, but I, was, I showed it in actions and I couldn't get it back. 
And I said, Lord, this is the woman you picked for me, but I can't understand why until I read the book. So when I read the book, it talked about a woman who has a father who doesn't love her will grow up not being able to have a blueprint or a picture of what love is and how to receive it and how to give it back. And so when I read that in the book, Holy Spirit took me back to that. Then he took me down a line of many incidents between my late wife and her father. And so that brought healing to me and understanding because, okay, Lord, she didn't do it on purpose. Now I understand, you know, my wife loved me, but I see where the root was, and I needed that release, you know. God is still healing me of some things. While I was sitting over there a minute ago, as you was talking, part two of it came. Holy Spirit said, this is why I need you to love your daughter. Tell her she's beautiful. And so the book... It brought healing that I so badly needed because you have whys, you know. You just, I had a lot of whys, like, Lord, why this? That brought the most healing just page 44 of the book, by the way. I remember the page where it just jumped out at me, like page 44. And then it brought instructions as I'm trying to learn how to make sure I don't raise a damaged female myself. And he had 22 seconds. <laughs> you know what? I really don't believe that we understand um, the amazing opportunity that we have. I'm going to speak to that, and we're going to pray, and we're done. Um, My wife and I were making a, an investment in our children and having the course correct on some things. And our prayer, I've prayed for them since before they were born. Lord, thank you for their, their, their spouse. Before they were born, Lord, I thank you that you're making them for their spouse and I thank you that you're making their spouse for them. I give that prayer to you, to all parents, and I encourage you to start praying that. But the question is, will you partner with God in the making of your child to be a spouse? That kind of light bulb moment, God will use and put some grace on it and supercharge that thing in other areas. Let me tell you what happens when you when you don't give it to your daughter. Uh, Samuel, no, David has gone to return the Ark of the Covenant to get the Ark of the Covenant. It's down at Obed-Edom's house. There's this huge praise party that's going. They're, they're sacrificing, cutting, and dancing. You know, that's that part where just as they're about to come into the city, David has partied and praised God so hard until his clothes come off. Up in the window was his wife, Michael. And she's sitting in the window. 
with disdain. I imagine she's shaking. She's shaking her head. Look at this fool. Look at this, this fool done danced out his clothes. The problem is that her daddy had made her into the woman that she was. Her daddy had caused her to be bitter and broken and bruised. Her daddy was Saul, the first king of Israel. And Saul used his daughter, Michael, to give to David in marriage so he would know where David was sleeping that night. And so now she's forced, am I true to my husband or am I true to my daddy? And so the fact that her dad did it wrong shorted her system. And so now when the glory is coming back, because her dad never taught her how to walk with him and made her choose, she doesn't know how to respond to God. It wasn't David that she was shaking her head at. David went to get the ark and was bringing God. She couldn't see God because she was damaged by her daddy and could only see another man. Let's pray. Fathers, dads, men, come on, run, run up here to the altar with me. Come on, run, 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 run. No music, I'm good. You don't have to have kids. You're male. Just come right on. Yeah. Come, sir, come. Brandon, come here. Come, no, come up here. Come with me. Mm-hmm. Come up for it. Come on the pulpit, sir. Mm-hmm. Young King. He sees his future. How old are you? 11. He's 11. Not too cool about pastor baptizing him yet. But he sees his future. Gentlemen, you got to see your future. You can't stop with what you see now. You got to see your future. Those are on another marriage, those that haven't gotten married yet, those that maybe have aborted babies, those that have stepped out on their covenant spouse, those that haven't been present for, for their child. You've got to see your future. And the enemy would do all that he can to change the movie that you're looking at. You've got to see yourself as a coming attraction. And the only way 
that you'll get there. Two things. You need another man in your life. And you need God to partner with you. You need God to show you how to do it. Just lay your hand on another brother. Every brother lay your hand on another brother. Lord, we thank you for these men that are here. Thank you for these dads and these sons and these brothers. Thank you for purpose that is that they have. Thank you for what you're bringing them into. Thank you for the youngest one. All the way up to the oldest one. God, with you, you can, um, you can take the mess they've created. You can take the complex life that they've created. Make something incredible. God, we bless their future. We bless them to see themselves in their future. Having gotten there. Because you brought them there. Lord, I bless, I bless every man's feet that they would not stop moving. That they would continue to press and move forward. God, I thank you for a grace that they'll go and make wrong right. A call to a baby's mother. A call to their father, to their mother. A call to another brother that there's a schism with. Manhood was your idea. And so we look to you for how to walk in it fully. God, I take back these men from the enemy's grip. Plead the blood of Jesus over them. I feel this one very strong. I, I pray for their voices. I pray for their voices. I'm not sure exactly what that means. It's like something has, has a tongue that is tied. I, I cut the rope that has their tongue tied where it will not move. I pray for their voice. What's a voice without a mouth? What's a mouth unless it be open? I pray that the testimony that you're making, it will be an in-process testimony, that they won't stop or wait for you to finish what you're doing, but they'll start talking about it along the way. I pray for their voices. I pray for the voices in their lives, over their, over their wives, their significant others, their future friends, fiancés, wife, that their voice will bring alignment for what it is that they speak into 
or speak over. Or do what you want with this. I, I tried, God. And just thank you for cleaning up my mess-ups. May this word live for as long as you want it to. In Jesus' name. Gentlemen, just, just thank you very much for, for staying. And just stay here. And then we're going we're gonna to dismiss here in just one second. Is everybody here sure about heaven? If there's any question about where you will spend your future. If it's not, just, just wave at me, elbow another, elbow another brother. Yeah. Ladies, you that are sitting there, are you sure about heaven? Um, God redeems. He buys back that which is lost, but he does that here. His redemption is what allows us to get with him there. He's interested in your, not just your afterlife, but your now life. Church hadn't done a good job showing men or women or families how to do God. Are you here? There's a question about where you will spend eternity. You stand or raise your hand. We'd love to pray for you or pray with you. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you for this day and thank you for what we've, we've heard and thank you for what we've seen. We commit this week to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen.